All right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and of course, Game Source. If you can, please, we truly appreciate any support that you could give our shows, whether it's a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or you throw some stars at us during the course of this broadcast, or if you subscribe, you like, you follow, anything you can do to support us on any one of our platforms, it is truly appreciated, including right here, coming up right now to my guests. In fact, you can go ahead and support his Lakerholics experience at Lakerholics.net right now. And some more surprises coming up along the way, but we can't go into that right now because it's a secret. I almost feel like I have to go ahead and call somebody on an NBA tip hotline because it's so much of a secret, but we won't do that. But we might share some secrets on the NBA snitch hotline. Oh, excuse me, tip hotline coming up here on the program, plus a lot of other great things as well, because I've got my just one of my outstanding regular guests. Again, you got to be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics, whether it's .net or I'll just leave it at that. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, I just truly appreciate you being back. Got to watch that phone, my friend, because somebody might be snitching on you if you're not wearing your mask. I wear my mask every time I'm outside of the house, Gerald. Okay. Well, you're being good, and I like that, and I appreciate that. Uh, you know, as as you said on a previous episode, wear that damn mask. You know, it just, yep. it just it seems very simple. But for Dwight Howard, maybe it wasn't because he was snitched on I'm assuming more than once, and then the NBA had to go ahead and, you know, put a little slap on the wrist, say, hey, you know, Dwight, put on that mask, please, because we're just seeing it as far as people maybe calling on each other or whatnot, whether it's for fun, whether it's for gags. I'm not sure I'm liking that part of it. I understand the idea behind the the bubble itself and the control and the things that they're doing as far as that's concerned, but having other players and other coaches and possibly even the rumors of coaches being assigned to snitch, to maybe hide in the bushes and catch these guys maybe when a moment they're down or whatnot and don't have something as far as the proper protection is concerned. That kind of seems to me a little bit on the uh, eh, not-so-great thing. You saw all of Doc Rivers' comments about how he was going to snitch away all of the competitors for the the Clippers and end up being the only team left in the bubble. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't know, man. I don't uh, know. You know, uh, I think the thing that you got to keep in perspective is that um, while the NBA is a game and camaraderie is important for the players, and I do understand what Dwight is saying that everybody who's in there is is tested and uh, you know, and therefore he doesn't need to wear a mask. I'm smacks of Donald Trump to me. Um, I think what you have to realize is that uh, these guys are setting an example for everybody in the country, just like President Trump should be setting an example, which is wear a mask, because it's not just for your own good, it's to save and protect all of the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and the sanctity of the bubble is really dependent upon discipline and making sure that everybody takes care of themselves, you know? 
you know, it's one thing I, you know, you gotta, you gotta ask all of the players to cooperate. Um, and Dwight, you know, my God, Dwight, you know, he's like Harrison Fagan said, he's gone through the whole year till now without screwing up. And next thing we know, it's the mask situation and then the anti-vaccination stuff. And um, come on, man, we don't need conspiracy theories. We just need guys to go out there and, and take care of their bodies and take care of their health and, and be examples for all of those kids that are looking up to you. Wear a mask, get vaccinated, protect yourself and the rest of the people in the world. Now, let me clarify something, or let me ask you if you can clarify something for me. So if I'm a big seven-foot center for the Los Angeles Lakers video blogging, blogging from Typhoon Lagoon, which I've been to myself, but it was only for half a day, and it was mm -hmm. kind of a bummer because it, it was lightning, so they sent us home. And you get to go down that water slide. You do not have to wear a mask, even though Kyle Kuzma is sitting right there, right behind you. Well, that seems like something that doesn't make sense from a social distancing standpoint. Okay. You know? I'm just checking. I'm just checking because I'm kind of, I, I love these videos that JaVale McGee is posting out there, especially the fact that he was in Typhoon Lagoon, pretty much him and Kuzma all right. by himself. If you see the actual video, there's, there's clearly no one there. There's no six feet between them as they climb up there. Yeah. But the I mean, I'm mean, talking about how empty it was because it was exclusive for the players. So maybe that's the kind of platform they say the NBA was okay with it or whatnot, but I'm just, you know, it's nice to see that JaVale is documenting this. Also, Matisse Thibel from the 76ers, they're both doing an outstanding job of basically showing what life in the bubble is all about. So if you get a chance, check out their social media or their YouTube or whatever it is they're going ahead as far as the platforms are on. Because I've been able to get a chance to, especially from JaVale McGee's standpoint, he's trying to make the best of it. He's trying to make the most of it and see what he can do. Go ahead. And I think... It, I, it was great to see him and Kyle there. Yes, Kyle, you should be working more on the jump shots than the slide than the water <laughs> slides, but got to give them a break every now and then because I'm sure they're working hard yep. for practice. And uh, it's just nice to see that camaraderie, and it's, hopefully that will continue going forward because that is going to be a key for the Lakers. The kind of chemistry they had on the bench, as you and I saw, was probably some of the best in the league, and I would like to see that continue going forward. Yeah, there's always a there's always a question too when you you lose a couple of the people who were part of that chemistry and you add a couple of new new people in the mix uh, who maybe have not had the best best uh, resumes for chemistry in the past. Um, as I've said earlier, I, I you know I'm pretty confident with the leadership of LeBron and AD that that we're not going to see any problems with any of the new guys. I'm um, hoping so because that's going to be something we're going to talk about here in a sec. But go yeah. ahead. Continue. You know, the thing the thing about the bubble is that this is an experiment and it's an ongoing experiment. They're making all sorts of changes. I know Chris Haynes was uh, one of the few media people to get in there. And he was talking in his uh, most recent post about how the rules for him as a member of the media, one they're, of the test cases for the media. different. Like every day. Every they're, day. They're and, much, oh, much different. This area, now you can't go into that area. Um, oh, no, you can't talk to them there. And he's got... He knows a lot of the players personally, and so guys are coming up to talking to him. The NBA guys are standing off to the side saying, well, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that, only at specific media sessions. So I think that a lot of the players, you know, I, it's like the situation with Dwight. Sometimes it's better if you're not dragged out into the public where you started having questions asked about what do you think about vaccinations and, and things that, you know, might be better 
controlled in a media setting than 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 it was in that situation. So I, I think the bubble is new. The players are adjusting to it, um, and as I've constantly emphasized, there'll be fewer and fewer players as we move along and eliminate all of those teams until finally there'll just be one standing, which will be the Lakers. Sorry, Doc, it won't be the Clippers. Well, I'm certainly hoping that that's going to be the case. I've predicted and been on record as saying that's going to be the case. And we'll get into more of that here in a sec. But also, when you consider with the members of the media being quarantined for in their hotel rooms longer than what the NBA players are at. I mean, you're hearing seven-day quarantine periods for the members of the media as opposed to the players that are only four, four days quarantine. Well, the players uh, unless, have to be well, hold on. Unless, unless there, you're though. Rashawn Holmes, who broke quarantine and has to sit out <laughs> 10 days in his hotel room. That right. was a kind of a bummer. But the players, the players all had to be quarantined ahead of time before they came. That's the reason for that differential. Okay. Well, there's still That's a lot of variants. found out three days. He says, yeah, you want to go? They asked him, you want to go into the quarantine with the players? And he said, sure, when? And the guy said, three days. <laughs> it's like much notice to pack your bags and head off head off to to florida you know but you're also seeing where a lot of individuals that are not there yet i.e russell westbrook and some others that haven't made the trek down to florida because they are in the case of russell westbrook he has contracted covid and there's some others james harden got there late and some others trying to still trying to get there and make their way down still isn't there for the lakers exactly and nobody seems to know 100 percent the team is right. not officially giving a statement. They say it's that's he's not contracted uh, the coronavirus, although that could have changed or whatnot. So we're seeing what his status is continuously, but we'd like to see him get down there because he's one of the um, the important questions that needs to be answered going forward is how much yeah. can he contribute? I know with scrimmages coming this week, which is going to make you and I both very happy uh, that we're going to see at least some type of action here in the not too distant well, future. I don't, I don't know if we're going to see them. I know that it is on a spectrum. They're on spectrum. Do you get spectrum in Las Vegas? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, but there's also going to be, I think a lot of the action is going to be displayed on NBA TV. I would imagine NBA TV is going to have a little bit of dash here so. and there. Yeah, so. Or league pass one or the other. I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely like to see the scrimmages. I mean, I watched, I watched baseball a little baseball yesterday with the Yankees and Mets scrimmage. That was fun to see. The most startling thing was, you, you think about the visuals that you get in some of these professional sports. Well, in baseball, the visual it is so used to everybody seeing, just from behind the pitcher's mound, from those center field shots, you know. And you always got, you know, the guys in the stands right behind the catcher. And in Yankee in the Yankee game with the Mets, they had cardboard cutouts in there, a whole bunch of different cardboard cutouts of all sorts of people, creating a quasi fan behind the home plate. You look at that coral area and football. There's nothing like that other than maybe the end zone leap at at Lambeau Field or something like that. But in basketball, it's the sidelines are such a big part of the game. You start to wonder whether or not they need to do something, whether it's cardboard cutouts or Black Lives Matter signs. That, that, you know, that would actually be very good and beneficial. I had billboard, video billboards, you know, that, that would actually recreate crowds or something. Um, well, I, I, like the, I like the social messages getting out there. Uh, that Personally, that would be great to me. As far as doing anything else, putting cardboard cutouts, I think that's cheesy. 
Uh, well, and you know, I mean, is it any more cheesy than walking into the state, walking into Staples, and seeing a T-shirt on every single? They could easily afford to put a cardboard cutout in every single seat. Oh, I'll take the T-shirt. But anyways, <laughs> I, going back to what I'm saying here is. In this current environment, we're seeing sports like auto racing. Auto racing, because of the distancing, you're seeing uh, 30, 50, 70,000 seat racetracks being what at 10,000, 15,000 people capacity because of the fact of social distancing and all that. So you're seeing huge gaps of these empty seats, and it's still not dissuading from the action. I mean, if people are going to go ahead and not watch a show or not watch a sports a sporting event or or watch a sporting event based on the number of of seats or empty seats, I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty shallow. I think that's does that doesn't save much for them wow. that they would not enjoy a product because of the 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 empty seats. I mean, everybody understands why there's empty seats in the first place. Sure. I sure. mean, I can understand if you know. Let's take your baseball. Let's take baseball for a second here. And the Oakland Athletics, who for many years have played in front of like empty, empty stadiums in the Oakland Coliseum. Except uh, when the Yankees come to town. Yeah, except the Yankees so, come. Right, but, uh, and I can understand it affecting there because people continually watch empty seats, empty seats. But right now, I think people are giving it a pass. And I think people will give it a pass. And I would say it is a good time to go ahead and try some of those social messages and put it in the spots where you have empty seats to go ahead and fill it with something much more meaningful than a well, cardboard I cutout. I think what's going to be interesting is that, for one thing, we're so hungry for basketball that we'll take anything. We'll take them playing in, in uh, Orlando without the regular home. I mean, I noticed the Lakers were not one of the teams that brought their home floor there. To Orlando, the mm. Portland Trailblazers. I just saw Maybe it they did, were listening but, to me. But the Lakers, but the Lakers didn't. Um, I was kind of disappointed on that. I, I thought they should have. But I think fans, while they're going to love watching basketball again, you have to realize that the crowds, the fans, the interaction between the players and the fans, especially in the NBA, where you're not wearing uniforms like in the NFL, and you're close, you're not out in center field like you are at Yankee Stadium. It's part of the experience. It's really a legitimate part of the experience. And um, benches are going to become real important. You know, the camaraderie that you camaraderie you see in the bench and the chemistry you see in the bench, and that's going to have to substitute for all of the fans. Who are the players going to, you know, going to act in front of and so forth and celebrate in front of? It's going to be their benches the way that they always do. Um, and, and those benches are really going to have to react. I mean, it's, when you talk about uh, how important a bench is to a team's success, uh, it's going to get magnified in the situation when we're playing in this bubble in the pandemic. It is going to be magnified. Everything's going to be magnified because it, the action needs to be more of a focus and will be more of a focus. The ambiance. And, then the, and there's a noise factor that comes with the crowds and so forth. Oh, don't talk to me about the piping in <laughs> of the NBA sounds from NBA 2K once again. I don't want to even hear this. It, you said the magic word, NBA 2K. I just want the. I want to hear the sneakers. I want to hear the smack talk. That's what sneakers, I want to hear instead. The sneakers squeaking and and the players. Uh, the ball bouncing. Five second delay. 
<laughs> trash talking. And, yeah, uh, because there will be a delay. I mean, if they say any F-bombs or if they say any bad words, it's going to be delayed. It's going to be bleeped out. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if it's on ESPN, you know, they're very quick on the trigger on that. I've always known that. I've Disney, always seen man. that. Disney. Yeah, Disney, of course. So turning over in his grave. Mickey, yeah, well, you know, uh, and well, maybe if he saw the stock price, maybe he would. that would also <laughs> do it as well. So uh at this point in time they're doing really a lot of great things right now in the nba as far as to even create this bubble and the kind right. of money that they've spent on it so i'm hoping though that it will be going off without a hitch i mean we're we're keeping our fingers crossed we're, we're doing what we can as fans to hope and and pray that this will go off but scrimmages are coming up this week and i know you're looking forward to it but i want to hear your thoughts on what exactly do they need to accomplish in these scrimmages that are coming up this week? Starting the 22nd, just to tell yeah, you. We have, three, we have three scrimmages, so it should be interesting. I think we've already heard that LeBron and AD may not play a whole lot in I all three scrimmages. Um, so I suspect that they might play the first half of the games, and that's about it. Maybe the first half of the first two games and not the third game. Um you know, they, there's all this talk about how the Lakers rolled out a new second unit uh, <laughs> for the like 20 seconds of scrimmaging that we got in the one video of of the Lakers practicing. And it just happened to be that it was the first team versus the second team. And the second team was basically Waiters Caruso, uh, Waiters Caruso, um, Kuzma, Quinn Cook, and uh, Dwight. Um, that was the second unit, which is kind of an interesting second unit. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much time. But I, th- I think that what we're going to try to accomplish is get the get get the starters a little bit of action so that they can, you know, have have a feeling that they've played some preseason games, if you will, before this second season starts. And then find out what the unknowns can do, you know, find out whether or not Waiters and JR can do anything. Uh, waiters especially, I think, is is a critical player because he's the one guy who who really has the the playmaking and the ability to get into the lane anytime he wants. He can get where he wants to go on the floor. Uh, he's a good playmaker. He's a good shooter. He's a good scorer. Um, if he can if he can really fill that role that was vacated by Rondo being gone um, and play good defense too, then that could be a real big plus. I wrote an article uh, a couple of days ago using your favorite Waiters Island uh, thing. Laker fans are flocking to Waiters Island and buying tickets on the ferry. And why shouldn't they? You know, I mean, you, you got a guy who's 20, 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. Before he ran into all of the problems this year, he was really playing extremely well with Miami and, you know, had been a starter and, and a key player in, in the resu- resurrection of that team. Um, so if you can, if you can get a guy like him to perform well in the scrimmages, and I think that he's going to be one of the top priorities to see what he can do and how well he can fit in. Um, if he can perform well there and earn a spot in the playoffs and perform well there, it has great implications for the Lakers because all of a sudden that pressure to trade Kuzma, the need to go out and get somebody else who can be that second playmaker and third scorer. The long-term goal of finding somebody the same age as Anthony Davis to, you know, be part of the core of the team because everybody else is older than Davis now. It's all like LeBron and, and LeBron and a bunch of guys who are 
nearing the end of their careers. And, and that doesn't, you know, you can build a quick dynasty to win a couple of championships doing that, but you're not going to build something like we had with magic and, and Kareem in the middle of the nineties, you know? So I think that it's, uh, there's both a short-term benefit of winning this year that will really rest a lot. Uh, one of the wild cards, I think, is Kuzma and and Waiters. And if Kuzma and Waiters could both perform, uh, really have breakout end of seasons and playoffs, that would bode well for the Lakers, not only for winning a championship this year, but also for for having a stronger, longer, more sustainable lineup for the future. So I'm hoping that that's what we'll see. Uh, so Kuzma, Kuzma and Waiters are the two guys I want to see play. Those are the two guys I want to see play well um, because they're the ones that have the biggest upside and, and in a certain sense, just because they have the biggest upside, they can also have the biggest downside, you know, if they don't do well. Uh, guys like Caruso, I think, is going to take advantage of it, and we're, we're going to see great play from Alex. Uh, I think KCP is going to take advantage of his opportunity to start, and I think we'll see great play from him. Um, I think that, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Rondo comes back if he does come back and if he still has a role in the team when he comes back and a lot will depend upon how, how waiters and, and the other players are doing it. Uh, Quinn cook might get a good chance and I've never been, I've never really been terribly disappointed when cooks in the game. He's the kind of guy that I, I think that Vogel leans on when, when you need some shooting late in the game to pull the team back or to hold on to a lead. Uh, Cooks played well, so it'd be good to see him get an opportunity too. Our depth at guard and our depth at center have have really been two of the strengths of the team. And and uh, if we can, if if Kuzma can hang in there, and I think also Morris comes back and and can hold out, that's our weakness. Really, is the wing. We just don't have guys that are the quality of Kawhi Leonard and and uh, Paul George on the wing the way the Clippers do. But we have we have better stock and and better depth uh, at the guard and, and the center positions. So it's going to be an interesting aspect to see what happens when we go into the, the scrimmage games. Um, I think they're going to be sort of like the normal preseason games. Uh, even though they're against, you know, they're, they're not really formal games, if you will. I mean, I don't even know if they're going to play them by the rules and have a clock running and so forth, or they're going to be the type of thing that, Frank could say, hold on a second. I want to talk to the guys about, you know, what they're not doing right in the middle of the game. Um, Because I've seen a lot of scrimmages when you watch in college basketball and and so forth and pro basketball that are not happening after a big layoff like we're doing where everybody is hungry for basketball. I don't know whether they're going to be really formally enforced with it, referees and a full full boat like that. Um, Have you heard anything about that or if you're not the formatting of how the – Scrimmages are going to be run. Uh, I, I heard rumors that they're actually going to be even less in time. The the exhibition games and whatnot, they're actually going to be uh, bringing it down to 10 minutes uh, a quarter as opposed to 12. So I heard that possibly. Yeah, they're going to run a clock and yeah, so, keep score. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to try and do what they can to just make them short, sweet, and there you go. Right. Yeah, and you know, it, Nobody's going to really care who wins those scrimmages. No, no. I, I, I mean, just I who looks good. Are. That's, it's just to get acclimated, get some real game conditioning where you're actually playing against somebody else who's not wearing the same uniform as your team. Yeah. You know, so it'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun. I sure hope that they're on TV. I mean, I'll be hungry to watch a little basketball. That'd be great to see. Absolutely. And I, 
like you out there, Nancy Weems, who's watching us out there, we want to go ahead and say yes. We would love to hear the smack talk as well, whether it's from Tom and I, but actually I want to hear the smack talk actually out there on the, you know, back out, out on the court. That's what I'm looking forward to. Again, we would go ahead and on NBA League Pass, if they had an extra channel for the uncensored versions of the NBA the games that go on, I would pay. I'd pay a lot of money for that. I know a lot of people would just, I'd be like the old adage, here, take my money. Take my money right there for you. Once again, I'm talking to Laker Tom. You got to go ahead and check out his Lakerholics experience. Just type in Lakerholics on the search. It comes up right there for you. You got to go ahead and check out all the great articles that he posts, including the last one by heading to, to Waiters Island, his latest article on there, plus the conversations that he, Jamie Sweet, and all the great people out there, the community that is Lakerholics.net and Lakerholics coming up. In the going in the forward, going in the future, what what not with Lakerholics. Just go ahead and check out the Lakerholics experience. Just type in Lakerholics, and it comes right up. You'll be part of the conversation. You also get to check out the latest episodes of Lakers Fast Break, and you'll see what's going on, including more great things coming along the way, which I can't really talk about, which I want to, which I really, really want to say, but Laker Tom will just go ahead and spike me with a basketball if I do. So all I can say is go ahead and type in Lakerholics, dot, uh, Lakerholics today. You'll be glad you did. My friend, there's still more to talk about on today's show. And you talked about who needs to step up when Rondo is, you know, while Rondo's out with that right thumb injury that is going to necessitate six to eight weeks. He recently had successful surgery on it. I think when he's healthy, whether the Lakers are up or whether the Lakers are down. Because, again, it goes back to what Frank Vogel and LeBron James think about Rajon Rondo and his reputation, his career, and where he was once at in the player and what they think he could still bring, even though the analytics and the statistics say otherwise, that they're going to go ahead and include him in the rotation when he comes back. I'm sorry to tell you, my friend. And he's going to be on the on the bench. He's going to be talking to these players. He's going to be right there invested in there. He's It's not like he's going to be gone for six to eight weeks. I have a feeling he's going to be very much involved, even if he's just sitting on the bench. Well, I think one of the things that, while I've been critical at times of, of Rondo's performances, I think he does a little bit too much uh, assist hunting at times, and he pounds the ball on the floor, and you know, and and doesn't he just slows things down to okay, a point? Okay, okay. Here's the smack talk coming. Funny how your tune has changed <clears throat> since. Okay, we're now over a hundred episodes, and I want to thank you for that. But <laughs> funny how that changed if you go back and listen to some of our very first episodes together on your opinion of Rajon Rondo. Well, I, I think what you have to recognize is that. You're right about one thing that oh, Rondo, he said I'm right. Rondo, is not, Rondo is not going to disappear. Um, and he's, he's, his, his whole goal at this point in his life is to finish his career in good stead, maybe win a ring with the Lakers, and then become a coach. And there's no doubt that he has the respect of LeBron James as one of the most intelligent players on the court. He has the respect of a former teammate in Anthony Davis as a guy that Davis wants to play with. And Frank Vogel basically trusts him. And he really believes that a lot of the things that Rondo can bring to the team, uh, bring to the game, basically, uh, 
are things that aren't measured by the pure stats that you look at. Mondo is not the great defender that he once was. No. Now he's more of a gambler who can pick up a few steals, but he leaves guys open and 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 doesn't rotate when he should and so forth. So there's a lot of things that you, you, you that you're frustrated. The one thing that you really hope for is the emergence of playoff Rondo. And that's really what encapsulates the whole idea of what Rondo can bring in the playoffs. I mean, two years ago when uh, when the Pelicans played the Portland Trailblazers and swept them four to nothing, uh, including Dame and, you know, they basically... I know, just, I know. he showed up, AD played, Rayton Rondo. And Rondo was a big, huge part of that. Okay. And we've seen various games during the year. I mean, he had a stretch early in the year when he really played well. And I was very supportive of him at that point in time. But I told you it wouldn't last. I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I really think, and I've said this and 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 I I don't think it's a contrast. I don't think it's a contradiction in, in having supported him before. Because before he there was a point in time when he was playing extremely well and contributing well to the team. But the thing that I said recently about his injury is that, man, it's a silver lining. It's a silver lining because it gives an opportunity for us to not have Rondo in the lineup. And I think we're better off as a result of it. The substitution of, of Dion Waiters and uh, KCP getting the minutes that uh, Bradley and Rondo had has one huge plus, which is that Bradley and Rondo were not great three-point shooters. And KCP is the best three-point shooter on the team. And Waiters is a career 37% three-point shooter. So all of a sudden, you get that one element that everybody knows and that we know historically is exactly what you need to optimize LeBron James, which is great three-point shooting. My position on Rondo is he'll be back. I don't deny that just because of the respect that he has from Frank Bogle, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. But the truth of the matter is that it's a silver lining in disguise because it's going to give Dion Waiters an opportunity to resurrect Waiters Island, fill the ferry up with fans, hopefully end up with a long career in purple and gold. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. I noticed that you didn't say anything about J.R. Smith. Well, you know, I also don't have that same negative feeling that you have about J.R. I mean, I understand the meme and everything. I just understand the fact he hasn't played in the league two years and he's 34 years old. That's what I understand. It's not yeah, about the meme. I also understand that he can shoot, man. And when he can shoot, you always have a place. There'll be moments, there'll be moments where J.R. is going to make some crucial shots for us. Uh, I don't think that his, his role... And there's a reason why when the Lakers had to, when the Lakers waived Troy Daniels that they decided between two people, they looked at both uh, J.R. Smith and De- Deion Waiters, and they decided that Waiters was the guy who fit the role best, what they needed. Then only when Bradley at the last minute decided that he needed to stay in with his family and not go to Orlando, the Lakers had an opportunity to add Smith, and it made sense to me. 
I also think both of those moves were moves that were were made in total conjunction with LeBron James. You know, he didn't have the greatest experience with Deion Waiters as a young kid in the Cavaliers when they drafted him number four. And his last memory of, of J.R. Smith, as we all know, was was not a happy one. But I think that I think the thing is that shooters are important. When you look at the at the mix of the Lakers as we head into the playoffs, they really they really have upgraded their three point shooting pretty dramatically when you look at the situation. So that's an important factor. Anthony Davis is shooting over forty percent since January. That adds in another element of it. Uh, Markeith Morris is a thirty eight percent shooter for the year, even though he only shot six for twenty one when he was wearing a Laker uniform. Um, he's going to be a big factor in adding to it. And those are important things when you get into the playoffs because it, it really comes down to being able to stretch the floor so that LeBron and AD aren't, they have lanes to drive and attack and people can't double team them because of the open shooters. So I'm happy with the moves the Lakers made. I think again, you know, I, nobody's going to look at Rob Palenka for executive of the year, but I think that they should. I think the guy has done a fabulous job in, making all of the moves he's made from the Dwight Howard move to these last two moves of, of adding waiters and, and adding uh, J.R. Smith, adept general manager moves uh, being made by Rob Palenka. He's now relegated to being the ball boy since uh, he wanted to be part of the 35-man team that would come down for the Lakers. But but it's good to see that the, that the Lakers are in good hands. And, and I think that the types of decisions that we've made, the – the way that the chemistry of the team seems to be still intact uh, and the way that nobody's worried really that Deion Waiters is going to have a gummy bear episode or that uh, J.R. Smith is going to have a brain fart again. Uh, everybody seems to be pretty convinced that from a mental standpoint, these guys are going to come in, they're going to do their jobs, they're going to keep their mouths shut, and they're going to be upright citizens on the Lakers and contribute to the same great chemistry we had that carried us through to the top of the power rankings before the league had to shut down because of coronavirus. So I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic about everything that's happening with the Lakers. And, and uh, I'm really happy that we got J.R. Smith. I'm thrilled that we've got waiters. I'm thrilled that we've got Mark Eve Morris. Um, I wish we had Avery Bradley. I wish that J.R. Uh, that uh, Rondo hadn't got injured. Um, but at least we've managed to take each of those situations and and have it come out to be uh, something that that we're able to use the depth that we have and the good leadership that we have in the front office to make the right moves. The Lakers are still the favorites as they should be. Well, I'm hoping that that's the case. I know that some teams or some analysts and some pundits out there have kind of soured on the Lakers because of their two losses that they have in the backcourt. More clickbait than anything else. Okay, but the clickbait is working with a lot of people. But I'm still focused on going ahead and and in the faith with the Lakers and uh, going forward. Another person that has a lot of focus right now is LeBron James, and he is extremely focused, tunnel vision towards yep. what he needs to accomplish, which is a great thing to see. <laughs> I know that you're also seeing his comments that he's making in these. Uh, I guess press conferences for lack of a better term, where obviously he's being sheltered away from the press for, for safety reasons. But 
I want to hear your thoughts on, on what LeBron's mindset is. And obviously, it for Lakers fans, it's the best one to have going forward as we go ahead into the season and the playoffs. The longer that LeBron James is a Laker and the more that you see him every day and the more that you really follow him on social media, uh, the greater the respect you have for the man, uh, not only as a player, but as a team leader um, and as a community leader. Um, he's uh, He is so driven at this point in time that that you have to you have to believe that if if there's anybody out there who can who can rally a team to perform under unprecedented tough conditions, you know, losing home court advantage, losing your your starting and backup point guards, and having to go and play in the middle of a pandemic, isolated in a bubble. Originally, we thought families were going to be coming along, but now it appears that families aren't going to be coming along. Maybe they. Maybe there's a chance they'll be added once the teams narrow down to, you know, four teams or something like that. But right now it's, you know, it's, it's like going to summer camp, man. They're going to lock you in that place and, and you're not going to see anybody else but the other players and the other teams. Um, and it's going to get lonelier and lonelier as there's fewer and fewer teams there. Um, but LeBron James, you know, uh, the guy still keeps his focus on, on the championship. As he said several times, He's never, ever doubted that he would get a shot to win the championship this year. Not in the midst of the worst news coming out did he ever doubt that the league was not going to find a way to finish the season. And I think the other thing is that Anthony Davis is looking the same type of focus. They're both, you see that unanimity that both, neither one of them want anything on the back of their jerseys, but their names. Their focus is basketball. They're going to win this championship. Um, and you you have a couple of guys like that, two top five players who are excellent leaders and and who who really complement each other better than any other two players in the league who are playing together. Um, it's the big reason. It's the single biggest reason why the Lakers should be favored and why I think that they're going to win the championship. This is this is a pretty as I've said many times. This is a critical moment in time for the for LeBron James' career and for Anthony Davis's career and for the Lakers' legacy. If they lose this year, LeBron may have lost his best chance to win another championship. It'll be harder to recruit people next year than if he wins. If he wins, it's going to be easy to recruit people next year. Everybody wants to go to the winner. If he wins, it'll be easy to imagine him winning another championship and maybe two championships more and maybe tying Jordan. And maybe, maybe ending all of those discussions about who is the GOAT. He is, that's really what's at stake for LeBron this year. If he wants to be recognized as the GOAT and be judged above Michael Jordan by anybody other than, than hometown Patriots, he needs to win this year. It's simply no other answer. And Anthony Davis, if he really wants to be not just a top five player or hanging around number five or six and so forth, if he wants to be the guy who's going to take over the reins from LeBron James, who took over the reins from Kobe Bryant, and he wants to be considered in the same conversation as LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, then he's got to win this year too. And the Lakers, you know, we for six years, we sat there one championship behind the Boston Celtics. We need to win that 17th championship, and we cannot blow the opportunity that we have sitting in front of us right now. 
So this is legacy building times for LeBron, AD, and the Lakers. Well, let's hope so. I hope I know they understand the importance of the situation that's going on, especially with so much uncertainty out there going forward for next season and beyond, whether it's what the coronavirus may bring or whether it's free agency or whether it's whatever's going on as far as the collective bargaining agreement and, and so forth. So with all that uncertainty on the horizon, it's best, like you said, that the Lakers take advantage now of what they have now and go ahead and try to do what they can to win the title this year and not wait for any other time. It changes. It just changes the dynamics of, of what's going to go on next year. If we win, it's roses everywhere for the Lakers, for LeBron and AD. And if we lose, it's, it's going to be a lot harder path to get back again. It's going to be looked at as a missed opportunity, despite all of the challenges that everybody has to go through. Um, it isn't the same season, you know, to say that this is the same season as the continuation of 2019 and 20 is really foolish because these guys have been, this is like a start of a new season. Everybody's in training camp right now. It's really training camp for a second season. Uh, it's going to be almost like a second season. Like you're right. It is when it concerns the individual words. And before yep. we go ahead and get you out there telling everybody what's going on with Lakerholics, well, I know the word came down from the NBA that the league's individual awards is going to be based on the season prior to the pandemic and nothing in the next eight games will do anything to change that. Right. Agree or disagree on that matter before we go into specifics? I'll take LeBron James' approach to it. He plays for championships and not regular season awards. I think it's the right move to make because I think that I think there's just too much too much weight put on eight games at the end of the season when these eight games really are getting ready for the playoffs more than anything else since home court doesn't exist anymore. I think they made the right move to say that it's the, the March 10th or whatever, March 11th is the deadline for doing that. I will say that I, while I think there should be a gold star and not an asterisk next to the championship for 2020, the awards for regular season during 2020 definitely all will have asterisks next to them because it wasn't done on a full season. And there were, there were some rising situations. Anthony Davis was, was quickly evaporating the lead that Giannis had for defensive player of the year. And I thought LeBron James was cutting heavily into the lead that Giannis had for MVP. So, um, so, let me, so let me say this, let me ask you this. Getting into the specifics about the league's individual awards, we're going to start off with Coach of the Year. Your thoughts on the Coach of the Year, who do you think will get it, and who do you think uh, is, your, in your opinion, the actual person that should win it? Because I think I just, in some well, of these cases it's going to be different. I think in conclusion, Nick Nurse will get it. The only real competitor to him is probably Brad Stevens. I'd like to think that... that uh, Frank Vogel got some votes because I think he's done a fabulous job. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's always the, it's never the guys, you know, it's just like all of those years with the uh, Laker coaches have won championships, 17 championships, 16 championships. And we haven't had 16 coaches of the year. I think we've only had two or three. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the other side of it is that some of the awards, I think there's a big miss 
conception of exactly what is the award for. MVP or player of the year, I think, is a, is a valid argument to ask that maybe there should be two awards. I think Giannis is a player of the year because if you look at his career and so forth and what he's done, he has had the best year of any player on in the league, statistically all across the board. If you look at who's the most valuable player, I think like Frank Vogel said, the most valuable player is clearly LeBron James for all of the things he does to the team, for the players that he brought to the team, for the, the leadership that he gives to the team and the performance that he does, and, and basically just the way he's played defense and offense this year, leading the league in assists, first team all-NBA defense. But the regular season awards are always, they're always weighted toward just certain parts of the season and so forth. And, and I would have been a shame if they had included those last eight games and I was proud that they didn't do that just simply because it was would have been a mechanism for Zion Williamson to win Rookie of the Year by just having coming back and having a spectacular eight games better than John Morant had. And, and I would not have liked to seen that since he didn't play enough games to really count. We're talking about 65, 68 games, 60, 63 to 66 games for all of these contestants versus a normal 82-game season where a lot of guys might play 75, 80 games, you know. So anyway, that's that's who I think is the coach of the year. I think it's Nick Nurse. What about defensive player of the year? You mentioned it before that the gap was closing. Was it enough? No. Uh, and again, there there's a bias. There's a bias against the Lakers. I think in a lot of these situations, and part of the bias is also that that LeBron James is on the team. You know, there's a heavy anti-LeBron sentiment among. A lot of the writers, there's a heavy East Coast sentiment. I mean, I remember, I remember when I went to I went to law school for one year in New York. You couldn't even watch games. You couldn't even hear anything about East Coast, West Coast games. You'd open up the New York Times, and they would have yesterday's score there. They didn't even have the current score, and so everything was so focused on everything on the East that there still is an East Coast bias even in the internet age. Um, because those are the games that everybody watches and listens to. I know that from the Laker fans that we have who live in Florida on Lakerholics. They're always complaining about the fact that they never hear anything about the Lakers. And, and the only th- time they do it, they have to stay up until, you know, two in the morning in order to get it. I think that's just the nature of the beast. And so you're saying the same thing will apply with MVP. Yes, Giannis has already won the MVP. There's, and he's already won Defensive Player of the Year. I don't see anything deviating from that, even though I would choose LeBron just because of his age. I think the age difference for what he's doing out there, I think, is remarkable. A tribute method to do that. If I was one of those voters, I don't see how I could not have done that based upon what the guy's done at 35 years old. Well, and then for me, AD has just been such a great part of the defensive mechanism for the Lakers and their, their main reason for their improvement. But you're right. I think the picks for both will go Shanaseta de Kumpo, and he's very well deserving of it. I don't want to disagree. No, he's had a fabulous year, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I'm not taking anything away from Giannis, and I don't begrudge the fact that he's going to win those awards. But that's, you know, Kobe faced that same situation over and over. He lost two or three times when he should have been MVP. And when talking about Coach of the Year, Nick Nurse, you got to realize for everything that – 
great Frank Vogel's done. Nick Nurse with both Danny Green and, of course, Kawhi Leonard not being in the lineup anymore, taking that off a championship team and still being in the running, still being second place in the Eastern Conference. I think he'll get a lot of kudos for that as well. He's a great, he's a great coach, man. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I don't begrudge Nick. Uh, he, he really has done a fabulous job. And Siakam, Siakam has taken, taken that team to new heights. Yes, he has. He's, he's going to be something in the playoffs too. Well, we'll wait and see. Let's see what kind of uh, impression that the Toronto Raptors can make. Let's see what kind of impression that the Lakers can make in the playoffs. Obviously, you and I are very high on what the team can do. But before we head on out, my friend, I want to go ahead and give you a shout-out as far as Lakerholics, the experience that's there. So before I turn it over to you, once again, I'm on with Tom Wong. I know him as that, but you know him as Laker Tom. You can catch his articles on medium.com, everything that he's doing in the Lakerholics experience and so much more. So I turn it over to you now, my friend, with everything that's going on. And I'm going to be showing the people out there on Facebook Live with what's going on at Lakerholics. It's kind of a funny time in the year because everybody is so eager to get back and watch basketball. And so we've had we've had a lot of great conversations going. There's been a lot of discussion. Everybody feels very confident that the Lakers are in the right position. Um, we all like what's happening with the team. Uh, we all like the moves that uh, Palenka made uh, in order to strengthen the lineups when we lost Avery Bradley and we lost Rondo. Everybody's a little edgy as to wondering what's going to happen once the games start. And it's part of it is because nobody knows really how these games are going to go. We've never had, when you, when you talk about this being an unprecedented situation, we've never had that situation before. Um, the games are going to be something totally different, um, which is why I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about why that's an advantage for the Lakers, primarily because of LeBron James. If you had to take one person who had the, playoff experience and acumen to be able to deal with the challenges that the Lakers are facing now when they have to try to rebuild momentum and with new set of chemistry on the team and go out there and, and defend and win, win a championship without a home court advantage and so forth. It's going to be an exciting situation. You know, I mean, a lot of, I, Charles Barkley's come out and said that if the Portland trailblazers, uh, make the number eight spot that they're going to beat the Lakers. Um, again, this is a this is the typical, you know, make say something controversial about the Lakers in order to get attention and attract articles and stories and clicks and 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 those types of things. And Barkley's a master at that. Um, but the truth of the matter is, nobody really knows what's going to happen. And and I think Laker fans, our confidence at Lakerholics.net is all based upon really LeBron James his leadership and his ability are that he's going to be the difference maker. And that's, if I had to bet, if I had to bet money on this game or on this playoffs and the championships and so forth, the reason that I'd put my money on the line is LeBron James. You got to go ahead and check out the conversation on LeBron James and everything I just showed off on Facebook live right now at Lakerholics.net. Or in the near future, if you're just looking at all the stuff going on, if you just forget the .NET part, just type in Lakerholics and you'll be able to go right there to the Lakerholics experience. Everything they've got, again, all the original stuff that's going there as far as articles, our podcast from the Lakers Fast Break, the conversations there with everybody on the chat forum right there. It's just all right there for you Lakers fans. It is Lakerholics. 
and it's just truly a great pleasure to talk to you again once again on that platform every time we go out and we talk right there at Lakerholics. So I'm looking forward to go ahead and have more in-depth conversations coming up in the near future to hearing your thoughts each and every day on the Lakers going forward. But before we head on out, my friend, Sham Sharanya posted on his Twitter, because we can't say Wojnowski right now because, oh my gosh, I, just just typing in the letters W-O-J got me in so much trouble over the past week on a couple episodes. So I won't even go just, on that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I got so much blowback from certain individuals. I won't even go into that detail on that side. So you know, I will. You know, I was just reporting the news, and you, that's the problem. When you just even report what the news is going on, you get you get a lot of blowback. But anyways, Sham Sharanya, he stated that these are going to be the different sayings. They're going to be a possibility on the back of the shirt, on the back of the jerseys for the guys if they're not just keeping their own names, like you mentioned, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Systemic racism, police reform, I can't breathe, no justice, no peace, break the cycle, strange fruit. By any means, power to the people, equality, and am I next? So I want to hear your thoughts on that type of scenario on the back of a jersey. What are you looking forward to when you're seeing that? What kind of do you think it's going to resonate with audiences out there? And if you were out there playing for the Lakers, what would you have on the back of your jersey? Well, I think probably... I've, I've always been somebody who really likes the way that the NBA has allowed their players to express themselves. I wish it had been a little bit more. I just wish it would have yeah, been more. Whether it's celebrations, whether it's celebrations and things of that nature. Um, I know Russell Westbrook now has a clothing line that is also going to have a whole bunch of other options for the players to put on clothing that they'd be wearing so it's not just in the game when they're wearing the jerseys. But when they're walking around, they're in the press conferences and so forth. They can express themselves. Um, I think it's a great. I think it's a great thing, and I, I think for me, I'd would be back. It would be Black Lives Matter because I think that that's the central core point that has to be made. That that we do have systemic racism. It says all of the other things in three words. It's become the. I think it. It's become something that has caused. I grew up and I grew up and went to Berkeley in the '60s. So I've understood all of these types of things, and I've never seen anything grab the heart and soul and conscience of this country in the past 50 years than the way Black Lives Matter has. And it's become such a defining thing that it's it's affected corporate behavior. Um, it's affected everything. It's just changed. It's changed the politics of this country, to be honest. Um, now I've got some African-American friends on the, on the blog who, who are very suspect to saying, you know, this is going to be the same old thing again. You know, it's going to fade away. Uh, you know, the red, the, the, the protests are going to die down. Nothing's going to get done and so forth. Um, and if, you know, in their position, I have to say, I probably feel the same, sense of doom that things aren't going to happen. But as king of the silver linings, I can't help but really believe that that this is a difference. This is a change. This What's happening today in America is something really special and different. I mean, the price that we're going to have to pay for it in, in 
in lost lives and a crashed economy and, and all of the heartbreak that's going to go through that, we need to have something big come out of this that, that really makes all of it somehow worthwhile. The sacrifices haven't been in vain and, and all of those lives and economies and jobs that have been lost aren't going to, aren't going to be for naught because I really do think that we're going to see something major happen in the next three or four or five years that, that is going to make America a better place and the world a better place to live in. So I, I still believe in that. And, and that's why I would have put Black Lives Matter on the back of my jersey. Um, I love the fact that guys are giving thought to this. You know, they're, they're, they're giving thought to this and they're appreciating the platform that they have as millionaire basketball players to, to go out there and, and support everyday people that really need help, you know. Um, this country needs to do some things about a lot of things that are unjust and unfair. And I think we're on, a, on the way toward seeing some of these solutions that are going to address those problems. I really think that having a Black Lives Matter or like Kyle Korver is going to have that on the back of his jersey. And I think that really will send a message. I'm hoping. Alex Russo, I'm, Alex Russo too. Yeah. And I'm hoping that it will sustain that this movement going forward will not stop and will go ahead and provide change for uh, you know the the future going forward for our youth for our generations forward that it will go ahead and make a better world and make a better country for us and we'll go ahead and make those statements against systemic racism and go ahead and make platform changes that need to be made in our society I would hope if you don't have that uh, that same agenda, uh, just please just go ahead and, and look look at yourself and say, hey, you know what, maybe there is a, a change that needs to be made as far as coming together as a people, coming together as a country, and maybe we can go ahead and, and go forward together as, as a union. And, it's a, you know, it says on the marquee, United States of America. That's what we're supposed to be. So I'm yep. hoping that that's the case and we can be once again. But probably uh, for me, I'll even know Black Lives Matter is very good, and I would uh, strongly consider doing that. I think I'd probably put equality in the back, either that or you know just love, not hate, uh, as well. That Black Lives Matter, just all of them are great slogans, and I just I would like to see some type of a statement going forward that's going to stick. And I I hope uh, that it will go ahead and prove a lot of naysayers wrong. That will go ahead and make just permanent foundational changes against racism going forward. All votes matter would be another nice one. There you go. There you go. All votes matter indeed. Well, Tom, it's been a great hour once again talking at you right now. Just been so awesome to hear you. Once again, it's Tom Wong that I know him as, but you know him as Laker Tom. You can see him and check him out. You can see what he's doing today, all of his work. At the Lakerholics experience. Just type in Lakerholics right there for you. I can't tell you all the secrets right now. I think I'll just go ahead and just call it on the, the NBA tip hotline. I think I'll go ahead and share all those secrets there. And and we'll go ahead and share them on, you know, on Tom right there for you. I'll, I'll go and snitch on you, Tom. You don't mind that, do you? You don't mind that? You're almost impossible to stop, Gerald. Okay. You're I, that's probably the nicest thing that's been said about me all day. Well, there you go, Tom. It's just been so great talking to you. Once again, try Lakerholics out there. Give it a shot. Give it a chance. You'll be glad you did. And for all Lakers fans out there, please, if you get a chance, reach out to us. NBA fans as well, at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. 
you can give some stars while you're out there on Facebook, subscribe, like, whatever you can do to follow us. We truly appreciate it. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts or give us some stars out there on Facebook streaming. We're all over the place. We cannot thank you enough for listening to us, watching us, and truly appreciating what we do right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.